Hello and welcome to the Curiosity Podcast, a show to help you thrive in your e-commerce and digital business. And now your host, Matt Edmondson. Well, hello and welcome to another Curiosity, Curiosity Podcast. That's not a good way to start, is it? Welcome to another Curiosity Podcast with me, your host, Matt Edmondson, as we get into all things e-commerce. And uh, we're going to have an interesting show tonight. Believe it or not, we are going to be talking about barcodes. Now, I appreciate at the, at the outset, you're kind of going, barcodes? Barcodes? Why are we talking about barcodes? Well, let me tell you, these things transform your business. Um, you know, they've transformed my business. Uh, I can explain to you why. We probably will do during the show. And they've, they're also uh, critical if you sell on Amazon. And we've got a very special guest, uh, Lorna Lever, who is going to lead us in that whole side of things in the conversation tonight. So do get involved. Do come join us. Add your comments. Uh, if you're on Facebook Live, you can add your comments and questions, and we'll come to those at the end of the show. If you are listening to the audio version of this, uh, it is great to have you with us. Uh, and you can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast from. A big hearty welcome to you. And if you do happen to be on Facebook, check out our Facebook page because we broadcast live on Facebook at the same time as we record the interviews, which is not always the same time which we release the podcast. Uh, it has to be said, but we do record these interviews. And as I record them, we broadcast live on Facebook at the same time. So you can engage. You can come along. You can ask the experts all of your questions uh, and join in the conversation, which is super, super fun. Now, uh, before we jump into the show, let me give a big shout out to the show's sponsors, of course. Uh, we have two sponsors of this show. Number one is Curious Digital, the amazing e-commerce platform that I use to run all of my own e-commerce businesses. It is a phenomenal platform and doing some amazing stuff. So if you are in the market for a new e-commerce platform, check it out. Their new monthly subscription service has made this even more accessible. That's right. You can get it now uh, and it's even more accessible to you. It's really, honestly, it's really good. And this thing comes with a, you know, a, a trial. Go for it. Have a look at it. Check out the demo. Honestly, you will be amazed. We're really stoked with it, really pleased with it. Uh, and some of the new changes that are coming up are eye-watering, let me tell you. So that's the first sponsor. The second sponsor is Lightbulb. Lightbulb Agency is an end-to-end e-commerce business that does, well, basically anything that you don't really want to do or have the expertise to do with e-commerce. You can probably be assured that someone at Lightbulb does. For example, marketing, e-commerce marketing. You, you, you're busy with your business and you're not quite sure about e-commerce marketing, but you know you should be doing it, but you don't necessarily want to go and hire a department to do it, give us a call because they do e-commerce marketing and they will happily help you. Or maybe you need help with fulfillment. Um, you've got a busy website and it'd be great for someone else to pick and pack all of those parcels. Well, talk to Lightbulb. They ship from the UK all over the world for a number of customers and you can try out their service with no problems. Uh, just give Michelle a call at Lightbulb and tell her I said hello. Okay, so they're the two sponsors of the show. Do check them out. Uh, great, great companies. Uh, as I said earlier, make sure you subscribe to the show. Make sure you like us on Facebook to keep up with all the good stuff that is going on here on this e-commerce podcast, the Curiosity Podcast. We just love doing it. And um, 
And yeah, the world at the time of recording, the world is in a very funny place right now. And e-commerce is one of those things where actually for us, I was I did a Facebook live earlier talking about how my sales yesterday on my e-commerce website were four times bigger than uh, a typical Sunday since the pandemic has happened. Now, if you're listening to this on audio, it's going to be a couple of weeks before we release the audio version of it. I don't know where we'll be with the pandemic at that particular point. I can tell you that at this particular juncture, uh, e-commerce is a great industry to be in. And there are some great, great opportunities. Let me tell you, for those of you who are thinking about setting up and running your own e-commerce business, uh, I said earlier that there's never been a better time to do it, really. Uh, I'm just convinced of it. So watch this space as we get into that more and more. Right. Now, without further ado, let's bring on today's uh, guest. I'm going to uh, bring in Lorna. Lorna, hello. Can you hear us? Hi. Yes. yes. Good. We can hear you too, which is a wonderful thing. Always good. Always good. In fact, let me do this. Guess who's got some new technology on his desk and is playing around with it, right? That'll be me. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, that'll be me. Uh, so we now have the Rode Procaster desk on, uh, thing on my desk, which enables me to do stuff like that, which is fun. So, uh, Lorna, forgive me if occasionally I just drop in a few of the um, you know, sound effects just for fun. Uh, but it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us. Great for you to be here. Great. Really looking forward to it. Um, always good to get involved with different channels and ways of getting the barcode message out. To <laughs> the barcode. You should change your job because at the moment you're the engagement manager at GS1. I think you should change it to barcode evangelist because that just sounds much better. I'll put that to HR in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and see what they say. Uh, and is that a map of the world behind you that I see? Yeah, this is uh, my spare room. Um, sadly, not anything more glamorous but you know we're all in that same situation we're all but working from home right now aren't we this way i can pick where we where we're going to go once we're all allowed back out <laughs> sort of the dream destinations the dream destinations well lorna um let's let's uh, well why don't you introduce yourself a little bit about sort of bit of your background where you've come from really so we know uh, a bit more about you before we crack on to the barcode evangelism <laughs> sure. Uh, so I've been in e-commerce quite a while. Um, I've been in GS1 just over three years now, working as the engagement manager, as you mentioned. Um, so we're kind of the, the middle guys that sit in between uh, the likes of the marketplaces and e-tailers, kind of the online world and our members. So um, we ha we're a membership organisation, um, which hopefully quite a lot of your listeners are already one of our members. Um, and we provide um, predominantly the, the barcode numbers to enable you to trade. We do a lot of other things uh, within the supply chain and standards, helping you trade better with each other, basically. Yeah. So I sit still. Um, before that, I was kind of the other side of the table working for the likes of Mothercare, Boohoo and June uh, managing their marketplaces so I've experienced quite a lot of the problems that a lot of your listeners will go through and hence why I'm now sitting on the GS1 side of the table to help the guys um, work through yeah. those problems. So you've actually sat on both sides of the table yeah which, is, yeah which is quite nice and it's worth pointing out right here at the start I mean we have had a pre-call and I'm I did mention to you then I am actually a customer of GS1, we do use your services, um, and uh, full disclosure, because you're not paying me to, to say that. Uh, at <laughs> least, if you are, I don't know about it. Um, <laughs> and make sure there's four zeros at least after if you do. Anyway, um, 
The we are a customer of GS1 and we've been using your service for a number of years. And I tell you how we got started um, with the barcodes was um, we decided one day to make our own skincare products. And so we figured we'd need a barcode for our own skincare products. Uh, and we spoke to GS1 and um, and sort of that's where our journey began, really. Um, so let's get into this. First and foremost, what is a barcode? It's an obvious question, right? But I, I appreciate someone listening to this, Mike. There's going to be that one person, right, who's never, has no idea what we're talking about. So let's explain. What is a barcode? Well, um, it, it's technology that's been around for 40 years now. Um, it had its 40, 40th anniversary last year. Um, so I would imagine that the majority of the people do know what a barcode is. But um, obviously, it's that black and white liney thing that you see on your products that most of you use to be able to do the beat through the checkout. Um, but what people don't realize a lot of the time is that the number that sits below it, the, the black and white lines are just a, a, a visual representation of, of those numbers. Um, and it's predominantly used to be able to do point of sale, so the checkout for yeah. customers. Um, but it is used all the way through the um, supply chain and also in other industries to be able to identify and basically just remove the, the human element of typing stuff in. Yeah. It's a way of capturing. Yeah, no, it is. And it's, I mean, this was one of the things I said at the start of the show, you know, um, barcodes saved us a chunk of cash and a chunk of problems right at the start of our business. When we moved uh, Jersey Beauty Company from Jersey to the UK, one of the things that we did was we wrote our own um, uh, warehouse management system. I, don't ask me why we decided to write our own at this. Maybe the only thing we could do at this point in time. In hindsight, there may have been better solutions. Anyway, one of the things that we, we realized was every product had this, I like how you called it, the black liney thing <laughs> on the back yeah. of the product. So we had this black liney thing on the back of the product. And, um, and that was great. And we started to scan that. And I calculated very quickly that by scanning our orders and scanning that barcode before they went out. So we, we printed a barcode on every order. The computer scanned the barcode to get the order number. And the computer knows what products are then in that order. And then we would scan each of those products. And only when she'd scanned all the right products did the computer screen turn green. It was very simple. I'm a very simple kind of guy. I need simple, right? And it would turn green and the order would be sent out. Well, it saved us tens of thousands of pounds every month in terms of literally that was yeah. the cost of sending out the wrong order because you'd send out the wrong order. Would you then go and pick up that order? Then there's a cost of return and there's a customer who's hacked off on the other end of the phone because, you know, it's great they've got something, but where's the stuff they ordered? And so that for me was the, the sort of the turning point, I think, for us as a business where we went from being um, – amateur to professionals the wrong phrase but you know what i mean it was that it yeah. was a bit of a massive game changer for us um, yeah so yeah fascinating yeah fascinating how it works okay so when we set up our barcodes on our own skincare range one of the things that massively confused me uh was when i went on to book a barcode it asked me a question do i want a g tin do i want an ean I had no idea all of this sort of terminology that's behind it. And I still see it a lot. So can we go through some of that and explain to us what all these different things mean and, and well, and generally why we should care about them? Yeah. So that's probably pretty much the top question I get asked. So okay. you're not allowed 
and were not understanding that. Um, but it, because the, as I mentioned, the, the barcode has evolved over 40 years, um, that's where the different names have come in. So the UPC is predominantly used in America. So it's the American kind of code name for the for the number. Okay. And EAN is the European one. And then when it become a global standard, that is when we know the word GTID. So okay. as in it stands for global trade item number. So um, obviously old habits die hard. So EAN and UPC is still quite well used within um, sort of just within the market, to be honest. Okay. Um, at GS1, we, we call it a GTIN, um, but basically it all means the same thing. There is a technical difference with them um, in that the, originally the UPC is, is actually a 12-digit number. The EAN is a 13-digit number, um, but the the kind of the term that is used nowadays is GTIN for it. And how so how many numbers are in the GTIN number? It's, so it's, it's the global name, so it's 13 digits. 13, so... The GTIN has 13. And if I was going to get a barcode or if I needed a barcode, is the GTIN, the GTIN, the Global Trade and Identification Number? You know, that's good pub quiz knowledge <laughs> right there. Um, is there. Is that what I should be aiming for or looking at? That's the one I should get. And should I forget about all the others? It, it, again, it's the same thing. It's just terminology. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're... If, if you're going to get one or a, a trading party, partner has asked you, it's sometimes it is that they will have said UPC or EAM, but it all means the same. There is a very, very few uh, retailers in America that will say to you, I need a UPC. And when they say that, they do physically mean a 12-digit number yeah. because they can't take a 13, but they are very, very out of date in terms of changing their systems to be, be uh, okay. able to. That's interesting. Digit. So if you're dealing with the States, if you're trading with the States, that's just something worth bearing in mind. You may have to produce a different product with a different barcode on it to meet the uh, standards. Yeah, yeah. you would come, need to come back to us and get a, a specific UPC. But really, they shouldn't be doing that now. Like it, the sunset date for that was, I want to say, 2007. So they're oh, super. Okay. Yeah. yeah but so it's it, a long time ago. Yeah. The, we do hear stories of them saying it, but usually it will just be a terminology thing. People say, I need a UPC. So they come to ask and say, no, it's a UPC that I need, but actually it's, it's not. It's GTIN. Okay. Or... So um, where where do we, I mean, it, it's obvious for me if I'm going to manufacture products and I'm going to, the reason I went and got the barcode was I was like, you know what, I can see this being on somebody's shelf, right, in a, in a store and they're going to want to be able to scan it. So I'm going to need some way of identifying this product for those guys. Um, and what, But when we were talking, you didn't talk about that as much as you talked about Amazon um, and why we should care about barcodes, especially if we're selling on Amazon. Why? Why is that? What What's going on there? Well, I guess I'm biased in that I've lived in the e-commerce world, so that is You'd where be my bias. That's fine. <laughs> so that's where I see it, and that's the guys that I look after. They sure. trade on. They trade through marketplaces. If you speak to the retail engagement managers in GS1 then their, their conversation would probably be naturally skewed towards um, the Tesco's, okay. kind of the grocers of the world. Um, but it's the same situation. Mm -hmm. So whether you trade with those guys online or offline, you're going to be needing a barcode. Um, okay. So they say to you, you need that number. So whether you, you're physically sending it in through the supply chain um, to their warehouses, so for Tesco's example, um, but also if you're just doing a listing on Amazon or 
quite a, well most of the big marketplaces will require that number as well even if that that never touches amazon even if you don't use fba it's all self-fulfilled mm. you will still need the number to produce the listing because uh we we liken it to the the passport number for the product so it's like a key that uh, enables you to understand what product that is okay so um if you're selling and this was something that you you mentioned last time which really intrigued me if you're selling a product on Amazon, every single product you sell has to have this sort of uh, barcode, doesn't it? Have to have, has to have a GTIN so they can scan it in um, and put it into their system. Yeah. Um, and does that code have to meet any sort of set requirements or does it, how does that, so how does that work? Amazon require you to have a GS1 number um, because they actually take a daily file from us to check the database to make sure it's within that. Because from oh okay so if if I'm going to trade on Amazon just to clarify sorry um if I'm going to trade on Amazon the barcode that I put on those products has to come from GS1 which is your global company isn't it it's that yeah, yeah okay and you send all the product information over to Amazon at the end of every day we we send the licensee information yeah. over to them um we're working towards doing the product information as well um, okay. but we need to make sure that our members are putting the product data in in the first place to be able to send that over to them. Yeah, that's quite handy to know, actually, because I'm not sure how carefully we put the product data in on <laughs> the GS1 website. I'm sure I'm not the only person that does not do that that well. Um, but I will definitely be checking now, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's exactly why I'm here, Get, getting you to make sure that the, the product data you're giving us is consumer-facing so that we can, um, we're working on a big global registry project at the Great. moment. Great. So what are some of the things then, if I'm going to be selling on Amazon, what are some of the barcode hacks, for want of a better expression, that I need to be thinking about um, as a supplier? So obviously, every product has to have a GS1 number or a GTIN GS1 number. I just think we need to throw more letters into this thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. But everyone has to have a number from you guys. Um, what else are some of the other things, are some of the other parameters that you found with people selling on Amazon that we just need to think about? So probably the second query, most commonly that we get after what we talked about earlier is actually when you're listing it on Amazon, Amazon have the UPC, EAN and GTIN listed as separate identifiers. Yeah. So people come to us, they get their GTINs, they put the number onto the listing and then they select GTIN as the identifier because Amazon actually accepts quite a big range. So obviously you've got the ASIN, you've got JAN, which is a Japanese one. You've got quite a, a big range that you can use so naturally people would say right i've got my gtins from gs1 i go onto amazon i put the number in and i select gtin um, but what amazon is actually expecting for that is a 14 digit number they are expecting a 13 digit number to be an ean and they are expecting a 12 digit number to be a upc okay um, they actually sped it all out. Um, it's it's something that we're trying to work on just to make sure that um, we're all speaking the same language. But as yet, because it's a global site, it's quite a big change for them to make, which they haven't made yet at the moment. Um, so that's a little bit confusing, right? If if the yeah. GTIN is 13 digits, but they're expecting it to be 14 digits. That is because, you know, when you have uh, cases, you are able to... So when you have the packet that goes around the, the single units, yeah. so say example you send it into amazon in a case of six or 12 mm -hmm. the the number that you put on the outside of it so the case that represents the six or the 12 
will have a GTIM 14. So it has an additional number to identify that it's the, the level up, if that makes sense. Okay. So this is this where we have <laughs> Say that again, sorry. This is why we offer barcode training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's starting to get a little bit more complicated, isn't it? So yeah, so um, um, a basic GTIN number is thirteen digits. If we if we put it in cases, so like you say, six yeah. of an item, uh, six skincare items. Say we yeah. sell a case of six, right? Then the number on the outside of that box um, is, is a fourteen-digit number to show to show the world that actually this is not a single product. This is multiple products. Is that right? Yeah. That's going to be broken down. Exactly, and the reason that Amazon accept that is because you can buy it as the the, the unit of six rather than the singles. They mm -hmm. sell it at the base level and and the, the packet level as well. Wow! And so this is something that you guys help people with to get right because I'm I'm assuming this is easy to screw up, right? I yeah. mean, I'm confused, and I and and we actually do trade with Amazon, so <laughs> um, it's it's one of those things, isn't it? And is this is this an Amazon thing or is this a worldwide thing that actually the GTIN numbers can have different lengths for different quantities of this of that product? No, that that is the GS1 standard. That okay. is correct. Yeah. So that's that's a standard which you guys have set, and that yeah. Amazon are working with. Yeah. Um, people just get confused by it because Amazon sells both the cases and the singles. Okay, so they can sell six, a case of six, and they can sell each individual item. What about then if you take it up to the next level? So let's say you've got a pallet with 30 cases of six items on, if that makes sense. Does the barcode change again then as we go up higher? It depends on the materials that you're using. So um, ordinarily, you would need like a, a bigger barcode. Mm -hmm. So we have one, two weights. My training manager can go through all of these kind of stuff, but mainly because it's for speed. Obviously, the, the the smaller the barcode, the more accuracy that you need. But and also when you're talking big pallets and things like that, you've got kind of corrugated cardboard that don't scan very well unless it's on a bigger scale. Mm -hmm. it, it works slightly differently once you get up to pallets, but there you are able to generate uh, nine. GTIN 14s from every GTIN that you have, so you've got quite a lot of variables so you that you can yeah, you've got you a could bit do of six yeah yeah and that's because yeah quite a lot of yeah okay so uh you've got the 13 digit number with nine possible extensions um to 14 which are the digits one to nine i take it um and they will represent different case sizes now um and this is this has become more obvious or more acute to me over recent years when dealing with Amazon and trading with Amazon because um, obviously their warehouses are, I mean, they're massive, aren't they? They're like small countries. And so it's so critical for when you're sending goods in that they nail it straight away with the barcode, right? Um, so part of me understands it. Part of me thinks, oh, it's just, if you're a small little guy, this is just really awkward and yet another expense or yet another thing to think about. Um, if I'm uh, bringing in products, if I'm selling somebody else's product um, and I want to sell it on stores like Amazon, then I take it I need to be aware of the barcode standards to understand whether or not I can actually sell that product on Amazon. Would that be, does, does that question make sense? Yeah. Um, well, what I think you're trying to say is if you're, if you're not 
the manufacturer or the brand owner, yeah. then you wouldn't be a member of GS1. You wouldn't be applying your own numbers to it. What you would need to do if the product doesn't physically have the barcode on the packaging, um, you would need to go back to the manufacturer or brand owner to ask for it because as soon as you start the listing process on Amazon, that is what it's going to ask you for. And that's how it matches it up with the rest of the catalogue to see if anybody else is selling it. Because obviously with Amazon, it's a it's a listings page rather than, sure. uh, sorry, a page rather than a listings page. It works slightly different to, for example, the likes of eBay, where it's um, all Amazon can collate all of the offers together and produce it as one product rather than a different version. Okay. So... Uh... That's something to to sort of hold into your head, isn't it? I mean, if you're buying a product in, say, from China and it doesn't come with a GTIN number, um, could I come to GS1 and get a GTIN number for it so I could then sell it on Amazon? Is that a common thing or is it always a manufacturer that has to resolve this particular problem? In the ideal world, we always want it to be the manufacturer. So as high up to the manufacturing start point as possible. So if, if you're, presumably when you're getting something from Amazon, 99% of the time, it's going to be a brand that, sorry, when you're selling on Amazon, mm. you're, it's going to be something that you're going to have your own brand for because obviously you're probably building a whole company around that. Um, the gen generic products are a little bit more difficult because obviously a lot of them don't have the logos. But it should always be the manufacturer and or the brand owner mm. that is putting the barcode on themselves. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, that's that's quite handy to put on my little checklist of products uh, that I can uh, sell is to check yeah. the actual barcode. But, it never would have been on it actually, um, but obviously now it needs to be on there to check a thirteen-digit number. And how can I can I check um, to see if a barcode's genuine or real? How do I if I if I found a product and think, oh, I, I could start selling this, first thing I want to do is check that barcode number. How do I how do I do that? Can I do that on your website? Do I give you guys a ring? How does that work? So we have a uh, on our website. It's called Gepir, G E P I R. Um, there is actually an app that goes with it as well that you can download, uh, and then it will tell you the licensee for that number. So you can scan that in and or just type the number into on our website. I can give you the link mm. too. Yeah, we can put that'd be great. We'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, so, and then that will tell you who that number is licensed to. And so we just need to make sure it's actually licensed to the manufacturer of that product. Yeah. Okay, that's super cool, super handy. So, top tips there, guys. If you're selling on Amazon before you go to the expense of buying a, you know, a container load of the product, check out the barcode. Just something as simple, right? Um, what are some of the other problems that people have found then or that you've come across with barcodes um, that we we should be aware of or think about, if that makes sense? I would say that is usually the main one. Um, people trying to list onto Amazon and then realize that, that Amazon don't let them because it doesn't match the, the company that mm -hmm. they've been. So this, the barcode that is uh, licensed, the, the number that who, sorry, getting my words <laughs> Tongue-tied. Um, yes, when you have your barcode number, the number company that that's licensed to has to match the seller. And obviously, if it doesn't, Amazon flags that up and doesn't allow you to list it. Mm. So a lot of the time, we get 
um, oh, they're not allowing me to list. And then we realize it's because the names don't match or it's because someone has got a, a GTIN from somewhere else. And then that will show in Amazon's files as the original licensee of that product. So, for example, obviously your skincare could then come up as um, if the, a bakery in America and then that gets flagged within the Amazon system. Yeah. And they will ultimately won't let you list because obviously they want to make sure that you are the licensee of that when you're listing a new product. Okay. So what happens then if I, um, I've, uh, I've got here in my notes the example of the Nike trainers for some reason, but what happens if I want to sell Nike trainers on Amazon? Um, but obviously I'm not the manufacturer. I'm, you know, matchtrainers.com. Um, so my company name is not going to match the licensee on the barcode. How does that work? So that bit is kind of out of the hands of GS1. That is between yourself as um, your business and the brand that you're trying to sell. So obviously, if you're buying the units of Nike trainers, mm. Nike will have given you some kind of um, approval to show that you're a licensed seller of that. And then Amazon will ask to see that. Um, okay. There's quite a big list. Um, I want to say it's up to about 125,000 now of brands that they have um, kind of kind of ones that they check to understand who is a licensed seller of those. So if you're part of that, and Nike will definitely be on that list, I would imagine, um, they will ask to see um, a, an approval, a kind of certificate that you're approved to sell that. So this, I mean, again, in our prequel, this was one of the things that fascinated me with, out of the conversation was actually one of the things that meant, just sort of following on from the conversation about the Nike trainers is one of the things that brands can do to protect their brands uh, on sites like Amazon. And uh, well, let's just pick on Amazon because it's, you know, the Goliath that we all talk about. And I, I always come across companies that you know, just like, oh, my brand's being decimated on Amazon. People are selling it super cheap on Amazon. From what I'm understanding, from what you've just told me, this could be a way that brands could protect themselves on Amazon if they're correctly licensed through the barcode system. Is that, uh, is that right? Yeah. So the, the, the 30 digit number that we talked about, um, the first part of it is actually unique to your company. Um, hence why we're able to show things like Gephir to show who that number is licensed to. So that does give you a, a kind of an element of brand protection. Obviously, it's just one piece of the puzzle. There's quite a lot that go into the world of brand protection, of trademarks and all of that other stuff. Um, but making sure the license um, of the barcode is registered to yourself is definitely one part of that, for sure. Uh, and I'm just thinking, actually, of a few clients where that's not actually the case. And so this is this is very helpful for me to understand this, because um, if you are if you are the right licensee of the barcode, the first part of, so what, how many numbers, do you know, uh, maybe a strange question, how many of those numbers represent the, the brand? It varies depending on how many you've licensed from GS1. Mm. Obviously, if you've only licensed a thousand, you're going to have a lot longer company prefix than if you've licensed a million, for example. Oh, I'm with you. So, okay. Yeah, it depends on what's going on. Okay, cool. Um, so as long as I've, I've correctly licensed myself uh, with the actual barcode, um, then obviously I can have conversations with Amazon about who is actually licensed to sell this branded product. Um, they should be using your GTINs, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. And that's really fascinating. And then that's a conversation to have with Amazon, obviously, but I know that there are now brands which are starting to do that. 
which and they're starting to restrict you know who is licensed to sell their brands on their platform um really quite a fascinating conversation um it really intrigues me uh how they can do that anyway yeah. well ultimately they shouldn't actually be able to get onto the listing in the first place but obviously amazon had a period before they were partnered up with us and checking so there will be some that have got through the net as it were um so but but ultimately they shouldn't be able to get on there now hopefully yeah yeah i i definitely can point you in places where it's where <laughs> what you said yeah. is actually contradictory to what happens but i imagine over the next few months few years this will all get straightened out with amazon as they uh, assuming they survive survive the pandemic uh that's another question entirely um anyway <laughs> so if i if i'm going to sell on amazon if i'm going to manufacture a product um, and I need a barcode number. Can I just get them from literally anywhere? Can I buy them on eBay? Can I? <laughs> yeah, so there is other places that you can get them, um, uh, eBay being one of them. But <laughs> we are, we, basically, we can't guarantee that they're unique. Mm. And if they're not unique, then that defeats the entire purpose of them, of being an identification, right? So you need to make sure that you're getting them from GS1. And also for the example that we talked about earlier, Amazon are actually checking. Um, and so as some of the other retailers, they're making sure that they come from GS1 because then that way they know that they are globally unique. Um, if you don't, um, like I said, it can it will relate back to the original owner of that. And yeah. then that could, be, that could be any other company. And yeah. um, obviously there is 114 offices of GS1 around the world. So wherever you are, wherever you sell from, there probably is a GS1 office there. Um, so there's quite a few to choose from. You just need to pick whatever language and time zone works best for you. So if I'm if I'm a British company and I want to sell in America, for example, should I contact you guys or should I contact the US office? Um, obviously, you are free to choose which one, um, but you should basically go for where you're headquartered. Okay. Yeah. So if I'm a British company, talk to you guys. Yeah. Okay. Makes all the sense in the world. Now, um, the, the, the idea that sort of popped into my head is um, actually you, you need to buy the barcodes from a reputable company because that comes, like you say, down to this license and the first part of the num number representing the brand. Yeah. And so I have, I don't know how many numbers, probably a thousand numbers uh, registered with you guys, right? Because that's my, yep. that's yep. my membership, and I, I assume that's standard. And I kind of think, you know what? I'm never going to use a thousand numbers. Um, I only need a hundred, so it gives me nine hundred numbers I could use. I'm kind of answering my own question here. What stops me putting those nine hundred numbers on eBay? Um, is it a case of well, anybody that uses them, the first part of that number is going to be registered to Matt's company? Exactly. Um, and not their company. Is that, is that? Yeah. It? And I, I think you, you say, oh, well, I'm never going to use them. But actually, if you're growing a brand, then you probably will go through them, in particular uh, apparel retailers. Mm -hmm. Apparel guys go through them super fast because they have to be at the variant level. So the, the, the child skew, the base level, there's quite a few different names in the market for that so for example if you had a t-shirt in three colors and four sizes just for that one t-shirt you are going to be going through 12 numbers mm. so i think you you will actually burn through the numbers quicker than you would expect um and then 
also uh, if you make any changes to that product so that the supply chain and anyone affected by that product knows that it is a different version of that product you need to change the number so the number doesn't remain static forever so if you change the ingredients for example you would need to make sure that you put a different number on it mm-hmm. so that your trading partner can identify oh this one has got the salt this one hasn't got the salt for example okay so um well that's a nice segue into the next part of my notes actually is uh what are some of the key principles here so and some of the key things that i need to understand when it comes to barcodes right so there's a couple of things you've mentioned there if i can if i can go back on them um back to your example of selling t-shirts where i sell it in four sizes and three different colors which gives us you know what however many 160 some of the combination i don't actually know but um i'm not that good at doing the math that quick uh but it gives me a lot of combinations right a lot of possibilities uh of t-shirts and so and i have to have a number for each one of them so the variance needs their own individual number is that is that what i heard you say yeah yeah because if you think back to your warehouse right mm-hmm. someone that t-shirt but how do you know which size and which color they've picked so, so it has and you identify that through the barcode yeah you, you have to be each variant level okay and do the variants have to uh the variant barcode numbers do they have to relate somehow to the main product in other words um, do they have to have a similar set of numbers and one N zero zero one, one N zero zero two, or does it? it no, nope. doesn't matter. No, nope. okay. No, nope. have a a a global mo- global model number, which yeah. is kind of a parent number that you can use, but um, predominantly most people just have the base level. So, um, and it, okay. Whether they are completely different numbers or in sequence, there's no relevance to that at all. Okay, so every variant um, needs its own barcode uh, which i get and i understand um and i've got here in my notes one product one code is that what what do we mean by that so if you use a a lot of people use SKUs, Mm -hmm. but basically if you've got one product it should always just have one barcode with it because that is the unique identifier so if think about about a passport number Mm -hmm. actually most people can have more than one passport, but really, you should just be one. One person has one passport, and then that takes them wherever they want to go in the sure. world. It's the same with the product. This yeah. is this 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 thing. This needs to know what it is, and then it goes everywhere and wherever you may want to trade. Okay, with. so we've got one product, one code. Every variant um, needs its own code. What is the twenty percent change rule? Um, you briefly alluded to it, and I just want to draw that out a little bit more. So we do have guiding principles. So we have GTN allocation rules, and this is what I was talking about earlier. Mm. So um, the, the three main pillars of the allocation rules are if someone, a consumer, needs to know that there's been a change to that product, mm-hmm. a regulation change has happened for that product, or a supply chain has changed. So basically... If I'll give you an example for each. Sure. Um, if a consumer, uh, for example, it's a different material or it's a different look, so a different pattern on there, mm-hmm. um, a slightly different piping around the edge, for example. A customer is ordering, so they've got a photo of one and they're ordering that, but actually what your the product is slightly changed. You need to have them as two separate ones so that what they think they're getting is not what actually arrived. Sure. 
um, and then a regulation. So uh, the sugar tax is a perfect one for that. Um, okay. the sugar for the guys, yeah. So the guys that have a subject to the have products that are subject to sugar tax and they don't want to, for example, and they take the sugar out, they need to make sure that they change the gelatin on the product so that you know that this version of it, this gelatin, has not got the sugar in. Mm-hmm. And then the supply chain one is uh, is basically comes down to sizes. So if, for example, you change the the volume of your aerosol um, and you made it a lot smaller to make it more eco-friendly, less packaging, for example, that also takes a lot less space mm-hmm. in the in the lorries in the warehouse. So you need to make sure that the supply chain can identify what the differences are, because obviously they're going to be able to fit a lot more on the lorries and it's going to save you money. So those are the three guiding principles whenever you make a change. And what we usually say, the threshold is is around 20%. So if there's about a 20% change to the size, 20% change to the um, contents of it, then you need to make sure that you're changing the numbers. Okay. So if I go to the supermarket and buy, not that I would because I'm a super fit, healthy guy, but buy a packet of biscuits that says 25% extra free, that's probably got a different barcode to the normal one because it's past the 20% rule. You say that again for me, you just broke up. I think that everyone's logged on. Everyone's <laughs> coming on to the online, aren't they? No, I was just saying it, yeah. was, it was a bit of a, a, a try example, I suppose. But um, if I go to the supermarket and buy a packet of biscuits that's got 25% extra free, or packet of cookies for our American listeners, um, then that's probably got a different barcode number than the standard packet. Exactly. Yeah, a change you know to the. I'm going to be volume. a little bit anal next time I go to the supermarket, and I'm going to see. I'm going to have a look, and I'm going to go. It's a twenty percent change rule. If there's more than twenty percent change, you need to have a different barcode. I'll become like the barcode right. police. <laughs> I'm to be such a fun guy to be around. It's going to be incredible in the supermarket. So, um, so the twenty percent change rule. That's really fascinating as well. So if you've changed the product by around twenty percent, you need to have a different barcode. One product, one code. Uh, one code for each of the variants um, and gosh there's a whole bunch of stuff there is there anything else that we should be thinking about when it comes to our products and selling uh, on our site with barcodes anything from your uh, your expertise that I've missed they're the main ones um, and actually we've got a couple of uh, kind of quizzes to test your knowledge on it uh, it's called Boston the basics um, and it, we've got two variants of that. So one will kind of go go through you. Oh, this is the scenario. Do you need a new GPIN or do you not? So you can go and try that. See see how you get on. <laughs> then there's a version of um, actually how to weigh and um, size the products, so the dimensions of it. So give that a go as well. Um, what's in the basics? So that will help you make decisions as to whether you need to make change to the GPIN or not. Okay. So when I go onto the site and I um... I record my product details on there. I not only need to put the name and, and all that information on there, there's a size and there's a weight aspect that I need to know for it as well. Is that right? Uh, we haven't got those attributes just in there at the moment. We're just going for the core um, attributes. So it's literally just a name, brand, mm-hmm. uh, marketing description at the moment. But uh, who's to say that it won't come in the future? Very good. Very good. Well, Lorna, I feel like, again, I've, I, and I learned a lot after our pre-call uh, and I feel like I've learned a lot again during this actual conversation. There are some changes coming to our barcodes, ladies and gentlemen. I just want to point that out. Um, 
where I've I've messed it up. But uh, but how do people, if they need to reach out to you, if they've got any questions, how do people connect with you? Where's how do they get a hold of you? What's a good way to do that? Uh, we have got a lovely team on our member support desk that can help you with all of these queries. Um, they are well versed in the the world of Amazon as well, given that the majority of our members are Amazon sellers now as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but so you can contact me directly, either um, drop me a line on my email or I'm on Twitter, all the usual channels, um, um, or you can just ping us an email through to the support desk and then they will forward it on as well. Fantastic. And we'll make sure that all of those links are in the show notes of course where you can connect uh with lorna and ask your questions away out of curiosity um do you know what the cost of an annual subscription is what sort of costs would people be expected to pay yep so it, it depends on uh the turnover of the business and how many gtins you need um but the kind of the starter level is uh 119 pounds plus VAT. plus the dreaded VAT. And is yeah. it a fairly consistent price around the world or do they vary? Um, um, local pricing, um, yeah. so they do vary, yeah. Okay, great. And so it's not actually that expensive, is it, uh, to, as, a, as a £10 a month in effect, um, plus the VAT. Uh, £10 a month to, to get this done and done right. And super important if you manufacture or if you sell on Amazon to have those barcodes and uh, have them right Lorna listen I appreciate your time thanks for joining us on the show it's been great having you uh, and you've somehow made the topic of barcodes interesting <laughs> no worries always a pleasure come and speak to us if you've got any other questions because I do appreciate it. it can be confusing we will do thanks Lorna really really appreciate that so I hope you got a lot out of that Lorna uh, sharing her wisdom and her expertise on the topic of barcodes and like I say how do you make barcodes interesting? I was interested. I learned a lot there. As I said, we will put Lorna's information in the show notes and the links to Lorna. You will be able to connect with Lorna or to GS1 anywhere around the world. Uh, feel free to ask your questions and get involved. As I said at the start of the show, make sure you subscribe to the podcast uh, wherever you get your podcasts from, including iTunes, Stitcher, you know, all the usual places. You can get them from there as we are putting out more and more of these shows. If you get a chance, I'd really, really appreciate it if you could write a good five-star review for us as that helps us get the word out there to more people about what we are doing, which is super important. And of course, you can connect with us on Facebook, Facebook Live, and watch and join in live as we record these interviews with our experts. And we've got some amazing people coming up on future shows, just like Lorna, who have gone area of expertise that they're going to share with us and we're going to learn some amazing things from so make sure you subscribe join us on facebook check out curious digital check out lightbulb agency thanks for watching thanks for tuning in i'll be back again very very soon with the next podcast so until then bye for now thank you for listening to the curiosity podcast You can subscribe or you can also join us on Facebook Live. See you next time.